thank our worship team for leading us this morning. I could sing a couple more songs. The, the Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, may the Lord be praised. And so I hope that even as you lay your head down on the pillow tonight, that you're thinking to yourself, in Christ alone, my hope is found. So good to be with all of you. I want you to think for a moment that you were sitting across maybe a coffee table from uh, a friend. Maybe you were at the school lunch table with a buddy or a girlfriend. And they started to kind of just talk about life and they might have enunciated some of the good things. You know, yeah, life's good or school's good or yeah, my job's going okay or yeah. I've got a family that loves me. But then things go a little bit beneath the surface, and they say something to you like, but I just, I'm unhappy. Or I just feel like something's missing. I wonder what what you would say to them in that moment. Perhaps we'd take our cue um, from the world and say, well, you know, you just need to do Everything that you can to to rediscover the real you. Get back to you, right? And that sounds kind of good at surface level. But what happens when when that person starts to try to rediscover, get back to the real them, and some of what they discover in the real them they don't like? What then? Or or maybe you just say, uh, hey, you know, I know sometimes life is hard. It's just a season, and... Hey, but, you know, hang in there. You'll get through it. And again, that sounds like helpful advice, right? You're just trying to breathe some hope, bring, bring some encouragement to that friend. But what happens if weeks or months, even later, they're still feeling like something significant is missing or that they just want to be happy and they don't know how to find it? What then? <laughs> So you think it points to a reality in your friend's situation and the truth is in all of our lives that everybody's looking for a life of purpose that goes even beyond the things that are good in our life, beyond the things that we have, beyond the things uh, that we do. And I think this is the kind of life that Jesus was inviting people into when he first walked the earth. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the crowd once more and he said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, he said, you won't have to walk in darkness, but you will have the light that leads to life. The life that I think we are all longing for. That's why part of our growing deeper vision as a church that we launched last weekend is to continue to dive deep into the truth of God's Word to discover that life so that we're assured that we're not missing out on what God really wants for us. Last weekend, we, we, we talked about our first route that we want to continue to concentrate on as a church body and as individuals to build a culture of family. Remember we said that Church is not just an event to attend, but a family to belong to. And we've got some work to do. As we grow bigger as a church, we have to work at becoming smaller so that we still have core relationships and we feel like we belong, like we're part of a family. 
And this weekend, we take another step. We focus on the second root of our 2023 vision, and that is to become more and more like Jesus. What does that really look like? What does it really mean to become more like Jesus? I love the way that Dallas Willard puts it. He says, true Christ-likeness or true companionship with Christ comes at the point where it's actually hard to respond, not to respond as he would. That we'll know that we've become more and more like Jesus when we're naturally responding the way that Jesus responded. I think about what that looks like if you read the story of the, of the Gospels. To become more like Jesus then means to respond by showing love to all people regardless of how they treat us. Man, could we use a little bit of that kind of loving response right now, right? To become like Jesus means being quick to forgive instead of harboring bitterness. And wow, could we use a little bit of that kind of response with one another in, in the midst of our world and culture right now? To become like Jesus would mean, like Jesus, embracing our pain and suffering as a means to trusting God more deeply. Could you imagine how that would change things? If, if, if we looked at pain and suffering, not as the enemy, but actually as a tool to help us trust God more and shape our lives, ultimately to become more like Jesus. And I think about how Jesus lived with such confidence, conviction, and courage. That becoming like Jesus, we'd be able to discern God's voice and know his will for our lives. Can you imagine how that would change things if we could live with that kind of confidence and conviction? I think that kind of life is possible. Otherwise, I don't think Jesus would have invited his followers into that. But it's a life that sometimes is hard to understand or fully grasp. And perhaps some of that is because we've tried by moral efforts, you know, to just respond more graciously and to love people regardless of how they treat us. And, and when we just try to make it a moral effort and, you know, do better, be nicer, act more Jesus-y, when we do that in our own strength, man, we are just going to become depleted and frustrated and we will feel like a failure because we will fail. Because becoming like Jesus is not just something that we do. It's something that God has to do within us, with his strength. The power of the gospel, and we'll talk more about that in just a few moments, is what pushes us and what gives us what we need to become like Jesus. And what I see in the gospels, which really are the biographies of Jesus' life, is a pattern that continues to lay itself out in the lives of people back then, and I see it laying out in the lives of people still today. And our problem sometimes is we try to jump to the becoming before we first feel like we belong. We call it the chapel, belong, believe, and then become. And the order is really, really key, because if we just try to become more like Jesus, we'll do so sometimes out of guilt and i got to do better, and we won't recognize that at the very first, we belong to Jesus. It's in belonging to him 
that we move to believing in him and then begin to become more like him. So I want us to think about all three of these. And when it comes to belonging, you know, one of the, one of the hardest things as a pastor is when I hear people say things like, well, you know, the church is just not for me. Or, you know, the whole religion thing of Jesus. I mean, yeah, Jesus, trust me, Jesus doesn't want me. People that feel like, well, because of my attitudes, my actions, my lifestyle, you know, I'd never fit within the, 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 the roof would cave in if I walked into the church. And yet when you look at the life of Jesus, those were the very people that Jesus went after, that Jesus welcomed to belong. I think about in the Gospel of John, uh, there were some guys that were following John the Baptist. He was, he was different and unusual, but he loved God, and people were drawn to him, and they were following him. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, and John starts to then point people to Jesus. And, and, and they're not sure yet if Jesus really is who he said he was. They're not sure yet if Jesus really is the Messiah of the world. They haven't believed in Jesus yet. Look at what it says in John 1.38, though. It says, Jesus looked around and he, he saw them following. That is, some of John the Baptist's disciples started to follow and look at Jesus. And he said to them, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. They recognized him as a good teacher. They had not yet recognized him as the Savior of the world. They said, teacher, where are you staying? And I love Jesus' response. Come and see. Come on. Let's go. I don't care what you think about me yet. I don't care that you don't believe in me yet. Just come and see. In fact, the the text goes on. It says it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place that he was staying. And they remained with him the entire rest of the day. For hours... Jesus welcomed them. They probably talked. They watched his life. Even though they didn't believe in Jesus yet, Jesus said, I want you to know you belong with me. Even before they accepted Jesus, Jesus accepted them. That's belonging. And I think about some of the other people that that flocked toward Jesus. In, in Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, not your just run-of-the-mill, like normal average sinners, like bad dudes. <laughs> Rebels. And they, they were just drawn to Jesus. They, there was something about the words that he spoke that even... <laughs> even though they wondered within the religious system of the day if they could ever fit within that, they couldn't help but want to know more. Because Jesus wanted them to know there's room at the table for you. I love how Jesus handles this. You know, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, they complained about it. They got upset about it. That he was associating, it says, with such sinful people, even eating with them. That word associate means uh, to come into close companionship with another. 
And the religious leaders thought, why is Jesus hanging out with them? I mean, they don't don't belong. That was news to Jesus. Evidently, from his vantage point, everybody was welcome at the table. That's belonging. You know, that's the kind of church that we always want to be. No matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you're a doubter, whether you're an atheist, whether you think your lifestyle disqualifies you, here's the chapel. We want to say, come and see. Just come and see. You belong. But Jesus didn't want to just leave people there. Of course, he loved them and he welcomed them. And he he let them know that they could belong. But Jesus wanted more. Jesus wanted an everyday living relationship with every person. And so Jesus would call people to not just know that they belonged, but to believe in him. That at some point, we have to move from just going, oh, I'm glad God loves me and he accepts me and there's, there's grace to realizing what that grace means, that, that, that because I am who I am and I've done the things that I've done, that grace is required, that I can belong, but that means placing my faith, my belief in Jesus. We belong, then we believe, and that's the starting point then for becoming. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus tells us how uh, really what the first step towards belief is. He says from, it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent for th- of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So with Jesus, it wasn't just an anything goes. Jesus, Jesus held people accountable. Jesus called people out. But he first made them know that they belonged. <laughs> and then he said, repent. I know when we hear that word, we get lots of like, different ideas. Some of us grew up in churches where there was a big preacher hanging over a pulpit, shaking their finger at us. And, and, and when we hear that word repent, we immediately think condemnation. But I want to tell you, when Jesus said repent, it was not condemnation, it was an invitation. Jesus was inviting people to repent, which at its very core means to change your mind, to change your thinking. So that is to change your mind about yourself and to change your mind about who Jesus really is. To change your mind about this whole God thing and this thing that we call the gospel, which just means good news. Elsewhere, Jesus is recorded as saying, repent and believe the good news. I love how Tim Keller defines the gospel. He says, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And for a person to begin a real living relationship with Jesus, yes, we need to know that we are loved and that we belong, but we have to repent and admit how wrong we are. That at the very core of every human being, there is a selfish vein that will continue to rear its ugly head in 
my work world, in my relationships, and that we can't fix that on our own. And that we turn to God to say, I cannot fix what is bad, wrong, evil within me, and I need your grace and your help. I need your forgiveness, and I turn to you. And the reason we do that is the second part of Tim Keller's description or definition of the gospel. It's that we are more sinful and flawed, yes, in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That is the gospel. That none of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve hope. That left to ourselves, we will continue to be God of our own lives and only look out for number one. But that even then, God madly loves us and has not given up on us. He wants us to know that we belong. But he's calling us to believe. To believe that Jesus really did come to this world to save sinful people. That Jesus really did live a perfect life and go to a criminal's cross and die there, not because he was the criminal, but because we were. And that because of his sacrifice there on the cross and being buried in the ground and then rising again three days later to show that he has the power over death, that he has the victory over sin, and that he has the ability to give life to those of us that deserve death, to believe in Jesus. And that, then, is the starting point of becoming. Becoming more like Jesus. That's where we really want to grow deeper as a church. You see, I know that in my life, and I see it in our church, and I see it in the church at large, that there are many people that have come to that realization, oh, God loves me, and there's grace, and he welcomes me, and I, I can belong. And there's many people that have taken that first step of faith and believed. They've called out to Jesus and said, I repent of my old ways, my sinfulness, and I turn to you for your grace and forgiveness and help. Come into my life, become the leader of my life. And they have believed. But then somewhere along the way, things got stalled out, guys. And we stopped becoming. We stopped growing. And maybe some things about our life changed when we first came to Jesus, but if we were really, really honest, we've kind of been the same person for quite a while. And we've stopped becoming. And Jesus is calling us, individually and as a church, to go deeper. To become more and more like him. So how do we make sure that that happens in our life? Jesus said in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, he said, he said to the people who had believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Jesus was saying, I know that you believe in me, but if you really believe in me, that will result in following after me. You'll become my disciples, a learner, a follower. The Bible says, 
and every disciple comes becomes like their teacher, and Jesus is our teacher. He's the model. He's, he's the superstar. He is he's the, the, the one that we are after, the, the one that we want to become more like, because if we started responding to life and things and each other the way that Jesus did, man, it would change things. And that word remain means to actively, day by day, moment by moment, be responding to the truth of God's word and applying it to our lives so that it can shape us so that we become more and more like Jesus. But that's only empowered once we've believed in Jesus. Otherwise, it will just be moral efforts. And I love what he's, how he finishes this verse. He says, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, we think, somehow people think that being a Christian, following Jesus, believing in him, engaging in the life of a church, that it's going to somehow limit my life. That It's just going to be a bunch of things that I can't do anymore. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand that when you discover your life in me, when you begin to align your life with my truth, you'll be set free. You'll discover a whole new life that you didn't even know you longed for. A life of freedom. Freedom to know Jesus, be loved by him, and a whole new freedom to become more like him. That's why as part of our growing deeper vision as a church, we've identified this second route to become more like Jesus. By 2023, we want to help people become Christ-centered in every aspect of their lives. As a dad, as a mom, as a student, as a friend, as a teacher, as a plumber. That Jesus would shape our lives so much that we would look more and more like him. And so what's that going to look like? We want to continue to to, to, to learn how to read and, and truly understand and apply God's Word. In fact, we'll offer a class here in just another month or so. Uh, we want to continue to incorporate spiritual disciplines or rhythms or habits in our lives where Jesus has the freedom to shape our lives to make us more like Him. We're going to continue to embrace the row, circle, chair, go model, which is spending time together as a church family and worship and teaching, listening to God's word, but then getting involved in group life. That's why it's so important for us to start re-engaging in groups and and, and, in chair time, our own personal quality time with God where he can speak to us and engaging by going, getting involved in our church, in our community, in our world. God uses these things like the greenhouse for growth of becoming more and more like Jesus. And we want to help people continue to take their next steps wherever they're at, whether you're just exploring, beginning, you're engaging in your faith, or whether you're ready to start influencing others. Ultimately offering a whole host of new focus class electives that will help us not just learn more. These are not classes for information. This is truth for for transformation. And in so doing, I believe that we as a church can become part of the answer of Jesus' prayer in John 17. 
verse 17, when Jesus said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. You know, when I was little, I wanted to be all kinds of different things. I had all kinds of different people that I wanted to be like. And as I grew up and as I got to know some of those people that I wanted to be just like, I realized, ooh, I don't want to be just like them. Nobody's perfect except Jesus. And now I know that the people that I want to become more like are the people that are becoming more like Jesus. I want us to be more like him, you guys. I don't want us to be stalled out in our Christian faith and just going to church. Jesus is calling us to grow deeper, every single one of us. The question is, do we know that we belong? Have we believed? And are we ready to do whatever it takes by his strength to become? Because if we as a church become more and more like Jesus, you will be the people that others want to become more like because you're becoming like Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. God, thank you that you make room at the table. Thank you that you just say, come and see. If there's anybody here that they're unsure about you, they don't know if they fit, they don't know if they belong, Jesus, help them to know that they are in the right place, and the right place is with you. And God, I pray that you would help them to cross over the line of faith, putting their trust in you, repenting of sin and turning to you to discover the life that is truly life. And for all the rest of us here, Jesus, do not let us stay the same. Make us more like you and help us to be willing participants in that process. In fact, help us to pursue you like never before for our good and Ultimately, for your glory, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.